Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Good morning, everybody. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. So, Key, let's, what, let, let somebody kick me, Key. I wonder what type of toast Urban Meyer would be. What kind of toast? Think, yeah, he, I said he's toast. I wonder oh. if he would be sourdough, rye, wheat, regular white bread. Like, what is he? Well, it is depends he, on, he, depends on how much of his money now? he gets. How much money does he get from the deal? Then he won't be sour. Yeah, whatever he get, it will be more than he should have made in 13 games. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so, guys, um, Urban Meyer on February 11th in his tenure as head coach of the – Jacksonville Jaguars, so we're going back to toward the beginning of this year, uh-huh. hired former Iowa strength coach Chris Doyle, um, who resigned the next day. Red flag. That's a, that's a red flag, right? Yes. Yeah. Because no, there were issues flag. of Chris Doyle's conduct in the workplace. Then you fast forward to October, guys, in a video – surfaced uh, of uh, Coach Urban Meyer at an Ohio bar. And it was um, not family-friendly entertainment exactly. Penalty on the play. Penalty on the play. And mm-hmm. prior to the video, he left his team. He let his team fly back without him. Which Technical is, foul. Which is, by the way, that one was, was in you know, that's not supposed to happen. Yes. And then... This week, there were reports that he, in the preseason, kicked his kicker. (laughs) It's not why he's called a kicker, coach. And now, overnight, Urban Meyer has been fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, Key, that's not even an inclusive timeline. Key, can I just tell you something? Yes, you can. If if – I were a player on a team, and my coach put his foot on me and kicked me. We gonna fight. There's gonna be a problem. Like, and I, I just I, I don't even understand how somebody could even think of even doing something like that, even in a playful way. Yeah, he. he well, I mean, you know. I, I wasn't there. I don't know the the severity of the kick, whether it was a kick, a touch, or whatever. It Just was. put your foot on my on my leg. It don't matter. A nudge, uh, whatever the hell it is, it does not matter. Don't touch me. No, you can coach true. me. Talk that's to me. True. Don't and, touch and, me. And clearly, the young man felt a certain way about it. That's why he dis. That's why he voiced his opinion. And let everybody know that Urban Meyer was in the wrong for doing. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even, I don't even think it was the kick as much as it was what he said when he did it. He said something like, I'm the boss, I'll do what the blankety blank I want to do. That's allegedly what he said. So I think that that is more egregious than the kick. Because, you know, I can't imagine in my brain as I'm stretching. And in sitting down doing stretch period that somebody would walk over and haul off and kick me. Like I don't but but, that, but but key, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to imagine, right? No, no, I'm and, trying to imagine it in my brain as I'm sitting on the ground mm-hmm. with my legs open and I'm 
I'm stretching, and somebody walks over there and kicked me. Yeah, but I mean, like, but the like, kick is one. Th- the kick is one thing, and what he said just describes why, like, the 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 behavior, like the behavior said it by itself, which is especially some kicker, right? Your kicker. I have the authority. Besides it just being disrespectful, it's an abuse of power because coach can cut you. Do coach we, coach do has a, has an effect on your livelihood, how you feed your family, you know, the rest of your life. So it's an abuse yeah. of power because in certain respects, guy got handcuffs on. You're no, going to no kick question. him and you know he's not going to do anything. No question. I, do, Evan, do we subscribe to conspiracy theories on this show? I love conspiracy theories. No. Because yeah, I have one. Reckless yeah. speculation. Give it to yes. me. I have one. Yes, and, thank and it's, you, Jay. I've been We have to set it up as reckless speculation. Well, Thanks. I've been sitting here, you know, pretty much all morning long trying to figure out how, why we get here. Why, why was he acting out the way that he was acting? Like, you look at the video from the Tennessee game. Like, you don't even acknowledge the opposing head coach. You, like, walk past him and – nudging with your shoulder and stick your hand out, but you look through him. You don't even turn to acknowledge him. So my conspiracy is, okay, in the beginning of the year, I'm excited. I'm taking this job. I'm going to go coach Jacksonville. I'm going to hire who I want to hire. So I hired Chris Doyle, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I hired him. We did a background check. Everything worked out. And then two days later I got to fire him because the mob is after me now. Everybody, all the people just going to just come after me. So I'm going to fire him. Then I want to do bring in my Tim Tebow because it's my guy. I want to just give him a chop and run around, see what he is. And people criticize me. And, and then did he get to the point, Evan, that he finally said, you know what, man? This man, forget this. But I just signed me a nice deal. I'm going to just sit tight and I'm just going to be here. And I, I know I can't do this job in the NFL. So I'm eventually get fired. And so now I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to go back with the team. That's going to cause a problem, and I know this. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to go to a bar. I'm going to chill. I don't care what he, my family life. Nobody get out of my business. I'm going to do what I need to do. They do that. Then I'm going to uh, uh, talk crazy to my assistant coaches. I'm going to talk crazy to the players. So I almost feel like he deliberately was doing this to be relieved of his duty so he can get a nice, handsome ransom that, that, on the back end. That, By the way, that adds up. That, like, in other words, I got the dough. You're, I'm either going to do it my way, and it'll work, and if it doesn't, you uh, pay I, I, get, I get you know tens of millions of dollars. Either way, though, I think it is fair to describe it, his tenure with Jacksonville, as a failure of leadership. Here's what Lewis Riddick had to say on Get Up earlier this morning about just that as it relates to Urban Meyer. This is the biggest failure of leadership on the part of a coach, probably in the history of the NFL, at least in my time anyway. Someone who was handed, didn't earn, he was handed and gifted an opportunity where he had free reign over an organization. Shad Khan gave Urban Meyer everything he possibly could want to go ahead and restructure and rebuild his organization as he saw fit, and he trusted him. He trusted him to do that. Although, again, let me reemphasize this. As it relates to the NFL, he had not earned squat. He didn't earn this opportunity. There were many, many other coaches who were qualified. He was handed an opportunity over them by Shad because Shad felt as though he needed to go in a different direction given some of the lack of success that he had had 
hiring coaches before him. And what did Urban Meyer do with it? He made it about him and didn't make it about the team, didn't make it about establishing his credibility, didn't make it about having a positive impact on the number one draft pick, one of the best quarterbacks to come out in the draft for the past 20, 30 years. He didn't make it about any of those people. He turned it into it being about him. Man, I, you know, I, I know Lewis said it was one of, it, it probably is the worst uh, failure hire in the NFL. I was thinking about like maybe like Bobby Petrino as well. Like, you know, he went in in the middle of the night and decided to leave and didn't inform anybody. That was like a weird one. But I guess when you convince Shah Khan to hire you and the number one pick and everything else, maybe it, maybe it is the number one. I, I disagree with you that Bobby Petrino is not even close to this because we didn't mm-hmm. know who Bobby Petrino was when he was at Louisville. We mm-hmm. didn't really know who he was until he got to the NFL, until he did what he did in the middle of the night to the Falcons, leaving them in the middle of his first season. Everyone knew who Urban Meyer was. It's not a surprise that this is who Urban Meyer is. And but it is the biggest failure and, of leadership. At, like, yes, from Shad Khan. Uh-huh, by going uh-huh. out and hiring Urban Meyer, it is the biggest failure of leadership by an owner in NFL history because he went out and hired a guy that told us who he That's was true. for so many years at every stop he was at. Left Florida, then came back a day later because he was starting to lose recruits, then left again from Florida, then left Ohio State after a year in which he was suspended for three games for poor leadership. Like, Urban Meyer said who he was for how many so years, why? and we still saw an NFL team hire him. So why was Shaq Khan hire him then? Well, then that's the question then, Key. That's, that's how we move this conversation forward it is, you know, do we sit here a day after Urban Meyer is fired and say we trust Shah Khan to do what's in the best interest of this organization considering his track record? That's the question. Yeah, he's, I would say it's not he's the gotta have. He's got to have learned from this one, though, right? I mean, he's got, it's, you're only going to get burned a couple times, right? I mean – how many times you gonna walk over to that you know that 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 fence over there that says high voltage do not touch <laughs> seven thousand watts this time it won't shock me <laughs> yeah like how many times you gonna do that yeah <laughs> uh, look I, I I don't know about I think it's not the biggest failure of uh, it, it, in NFL history from from you know of leadership from an owner's uh, point of view. I can think of Jerry Richardson. I can think of like I can think. I can think of Dan Snyder. I was thinking of Daniel Snyder too. But from a from a hiring perspective. perspective. Sorry, from a hiring hiring perspective, it is up there. No, it probably is Max, and because like Evan said, everybody, literally, everybody in football (laughs) world, college, pros, high school, little league, said that ain't gonna work. Mm. That's not gonna work. And guess what? Thirteen games in. It didn't work. It was the biggest ignoring of all the red flags, I would say, in a coaching hire dude, by an owner. Dude. There were a lot soon- of red flags there. But there was one big flag that was pretty good, which wasn't red, which was the man's lifetime record as a college coach. No, it, it, there's no question. You mentioned in college, and I was about to say, dude, when they started mentioning Urban Meyer a year ago to USC – you want to talk about people going crazy. <laughs> I mean, they was writing back pages, and every day it was, you better not hire Urban Meyer. You know, imagine if USC would have hired Urban Meyer. And this is the reason everybody was going nuts, because of his track record. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, you're, it's hard to argue. Keyshawn J. Willamax is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Let's get back to one coach 
who was doing everything right. Christmas came early in the Sanders household. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, head coach of Jackson State University football team. He finds a way to flip the number two overall college football recruit, Travis Hunter. Big get for Jackson State University, but also with Coach Prime in terms of being able to sell the top talent in the country on the program that he's building down there in the Delta. Deion Sanders, the anti-Urban Meyer. Good thing they didn't, if they shake hands and after a game, just the whole universe explodes, like matter and antimatter meeting each other. (laughs) Deion Sanders told us earlier, um, joined us earlier, to talk about getting Travis Hunter, who, as it has been pointed out, on this program by Paul Feinbaum, he's ESPN's number number two overall recruit in the country, but other places has him number one, and he was committed. One, two, same thing. Yeah, I mean, way up there. Is it, though? Is it, though, Keith? One and two, same thing? It's not really. You remind me of that all the time. Yeah. It is the same thing. Oh. Well, now we know. Being the first pick and the second pick. Now we know. You make me feel differently sometimes. Um, Look, uh, he got him to – he was supposed to head to to Deion Sanders' (laughs) alma mater, and instead he's heading to the the team that Deion Sanders is coaching. This is what Deion Sanders had to say about it all. We ain't got no money. We ain't got no money. A a million and a half. I heard a million and a half. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. You know what that is? That means we kicked your butt. We took what was ours. And now you got to make up an excuse why. Ain't nobody got no million and a half. I wouldn't pay my son a million and a half. I'm going to coach a guy that's making more than me. This this is what really bothers me about this because yesterday, as you're watching the the flurry of news, you you see all these takes about – Oh, it's just it's back up the Brinks truck and, you know, Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports and just paying people. And this is what ruins the college game. And I'm sitting there saying, you guys are a bunch of frauds, man. This game has always been about money. Now, whether it's been apparent or transparent that you're seeing the exchange of the money, that's a different conversation because now you are able to. But let's not act like money has never been exchanged before. And then for Dion to come on and say, well, you think I'm going to have players make more than me? Like, it's all these things, Key, that start to drive me crazy when I see people try to dispel the ability of a guy like Dion, minus the money, the millions of dollars, that he can still sell and get something like this done at an HBCU. I'm glad you said people that try and dispel people like Deion Sanders. What I would say about most of those people and the people that I heard or white coaches or fans of those coaches and those programs that try and shed a negative light on what Dion has accomplished. Most universities, if not all, Power 5 schools, have skill position coaches that are black that go into the houses and the homes of these kids that happen to be black that they got to recruit because they can't go get them because you don't believe them. So you send people in that look like them to convince them to go to your university. And so when you have a coach like Dalbo Sweeney, who's been on our show many times, who recruited my son, and I have high regards for him as a coach, come out and try and say things in a roundabout way when we know damn well who you're talking about. We know you're talking about Prime. We understand that you are up against it now and you realize that that the game is getting ready to a degree, be even. Power five schools are always going to have an upper nod. 
because they're going to be on national TV and all those sort of things. And HBCUs are going to be on, you know, a couple games here and there, and that's it. But when you try and send that message out there, you're going to get pushback because it's a false narrative and a false message. You're not telling the true whole story, okay? Those coaches that go in those homes, recruit those players, are only good to you because they can get you players that can help you win championships. Mm -hmm. The moment that that don't work, you now look different. You now look different. Can you do our listeners a favor? And you did it for us not on the show yet, but before the show, can you provide a history lesson for people that don't know? What NFL players have came to the league from an HBCU, please? For all the people out there that say he made the worst mistake of his life, why would you go there? He's not going to get the kind of competition. He's not going to get the exposure. Can you break that down for us, Key? Well, I mean, you want to? I can start a lot of different players. I go Walter Payton. I go Jerry Rice, Deacon Jones, Mel Blunt, Jackie Slater. Willie Davis. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. Jerry Rice. I mean, I can go. I can go. Steve McNair, the late Steve McNair, Doug Williams. I mean, I can go on and on. Just off the top of Deacon Jones. Thank you. I mean, this is all off the top of the rip. This is off. Of, this is coming out of my brain, because they got that experience. They went on to do great things. You know who Bob Hayes is? Hmm. Okay, <laughs> Bob Hayes went to Florida A and M. Okay, also was in the Olympics. 100-meter dash champion, Olympic gold medalist in 1964. So I can go on and on about the rich history of it, but but there's people out there that want to ignore those sort of things just because that's the way that they visualize and they've seen things for many years. Now, Jimbo Fisher, he said, talking to Paul Feinbaum, guys have been getting paid. It just wasn't legalized. <laughs> You know, now all of a sudden things is legal. If it's if it leaks into the black college environment, it's a game changer, and they all know it. And Max, and that's when people start it. getting upset. De- by the way, wait a minute, Deion wait a minute, Sanders, this is too much. Deion Sanders, Max, has changed the game of college football. Yep, from for a lot of different from from a lot of different perspectives and reasons. Now you have. Coaches that were lifers at Power Five schools and in the NFL, looking to coach at black colleges. Hugh Jackson just took the job at Gramlin State mm-hmm. University. Okay, you also got Eddie George at Tennessee State, Tyrone Wheatley, uh, Reggie Barlow at Virginia State. Th- these are guys that played on Sundays and didn't play at HBCUs. They played in bigger schools. At Alabama State, Reggie Barlow did go to, which was an HBCU school. Remember. Key, what what Dion told us was it was it was uh, he had him during homecoming, right? Yeah, that's a different homecoming, Max. You you, you stay away. I mean, you might not be ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about I me. Think Max will be all right. Yeah, I don't get I the invite all, all of a sudden. Right. I see what this is. He'll be all right. I Max see what this will be is. okay. Max will be okay <laughs> to attend the event. Yes. but it may be too much for him. You know, they get out there, they get out there, and get to doing some. You know, get to bouncing around a little bit and dancing and playing that music. It might not. Yeah. You know, Max might be like, ah, I can't really keep up. But you, uh, you don't have to do that. You just stay at the table and just um, kick it. You know, just relax. You know, you know, Aeneas Williams went to a HBCU. Look, my, Hall my, of Famer. Look, my point is about Michael Strahan. Yeah, it's crazy. Dion, first of all. Takes the top, maybe arguably the top recruit in the country around, gets him to flip or however you want to describe it, Key, because he said I had him during homecoming. 
took him around and showed him, right? So he's actually selling the HBCU. But not only not only that, it's Deion Sanders in your living room saying, when you come here, you're going to play both ways. I would go, if I was a football player and Deion Sanders told that to me, I'd go to an HBC. Like, I would go to an, he's coaching. Yeah, and, Deion and, Sanders is not a normal person. He's in the conversation for greatest athlete who yeah. ever lived. And key, the type of person he is, and because when he played, because he was flashy, the media sometimes tried to downgrade him, you know? But the fact yeah. is, did you hear what he said on his way to the Hall of Fame induction? The yeah. man is coaching a team and playing, what did he say, three games on the way to the – I mean – That's dedication, though. It's dedication, dedication to coaching. And, and, and the thing is, is, is like Jay was saying, they try to dispel the notion of you make bad decisions and they, they get to talking about – somebody was telling me some dude that you, that's in the media was talking about the academics and this, that, and the other. And I'm like – do you not understand, and, and, and because I understand clearly, there are a number of guys, whether it's Duke University, whether it's USC, whether it's Columbia, whether it's UCLA, whether it's Alabama, there's a number of guys that serve these universities that went on to either not graduate or graduate. Mm-hmm. And if they graduated and they got a degree, it's many of them that don't even have jobs that went to these fine universities, as they like to call it. These prestigious universities, they don't even have jobs, man. But they know, can't the, even get jobs. That's what I'm telling you about Prime, because he puts people on. Like, he'll teach you this is how you connect with the alumni base. A lot of these coaches don't do that. No. Like, Coach K would tell me, like, all right, like Eddie Q, Tim Cook, oh, they, they came to Duke, you should reach out to them via email. You should invite them to a game. These coaches are so focused on their bottom line and them winning games, they don't spend time doing when, that. When, when they win and it's over with and you done. Bye. And if you don't make it to the pros. They ain't trying to help you get a job. They lie to you. I, man, I know people, I know friends of mine that have gone to Stanford, highly academic education and everything. Man, they can't get a job. And they got degrees and everything. They can't get a job. Yeah, Deion Sanders, I mean, the, the impact that this will have on HBCUs and, and NIL impact and all that stuff aside, I just want to say something. Deion Sanders, it, it, is, it is very rare that you are both a one-in-a-billion athlete and then we also want you to be a one-in-a-million person, right? He is. He's a very, very special guy. Week 15 in the NFL kicks off tonight. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com Keyshawn, jay <laughs> willamax espn radio start with uh 
house money delivered by FanDuel. Evan, how did we do last week? Everybody did great. Everybody won except for Key. He's he's just winning at life right now, so you know, <laughs> don't have to worry about it. Big jump though from Jay. So so Joe's still in the lead. Joe. Won four fifty, Max won four ten. Jay hit all of his bets. Jay went four for four, won twenty three dollars sixty seven. So Bing Bong. Joe Bing has one oh six twenty. Jay has one oh two twenty seven. Max has ninety two eighty one. And if there's any math that's wrong, blame Pat. The slow but blame steady Pat. wins the race. <laughs> Just gonna keep it nice and easy. All right. That's house money. Uh, get your first bet risk-free when you sign up with FanDuel Sportsbook using pro KJM. Let's do this, guys. Um, let's uh, let's let's get let's start with hey. Okay, Joe Fortenbaugh from ESPN's Daily Wager. What up, Joey? Is with us, of course, for this segment. I should have said hello first, Joe. That's my fault. How are you doing, Joe? Max, you got a million things to do driving that ship. Don't you worry about it at all. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. What an upbeat teammate you are. I love it. Okay, Joe. Well, wait, hold on. I want to yeah. ask him something, Joe. Bef- any bets coming in on Urban Meyer next head coaching job? <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly not in the NFL. I mean, there's going to be some odds posted at some point regarding who will get the job in Jacksonville next. It's not something you see in Vegas because it doesn't necessarily have a box score, so it'll be an offshore sort of thing, but we will get some odds at some point. It's an attractive job, as Evan and I were talking right before the segment. It's a really attractive job. Well, why don't you give us some attractive picks there, Joe? What do you All got? Right. Three picks this week like usual. All are the standard risk 550 to win $5. Game number one is going to be the New England Patriots plus two and a half at Indianapolis against the Colts. Both teams coming off a bye here. Bill Belichick in the underdog role has been very profitable for close to two decades. 27-14-2 and two against the spread as a road dog since 2003. That's hitting at a clip of about 66%. I like Indy. They were my preseason pick to win the AFC. There's a lot they've done right this year, and they've certainly turned the ship around from that early start to where they are now. But ultimately, in a lot of big spots, they've come up short, most notably that Tampa Bay game just a few weeks back, which was in Indianapolis. If this were a pick, I'd stay away, but you're going to give me two and a half points. I'll take New England. Game number two, Pittsburgh plus one and a half against Tennessee. Titans just smacked the Jaguars around last week. Last time we saw the Steelers, they started... It was a horrific start at Minnesota. Came on strong late, but it wasn't enough. They've had 10 days to get ready for this game where I believe the extra rest at this time of the season is worth so much more than the extra rest early in the year. Guys are banged up. Guys are trying to get ready for the playoff push and all that in between. Pittsburgh plus one and a half. Mike Tomlin as an underdog. That's another spot you want to look at. 66% against the spread as a dog. He's won five straight outright as a home underdog so if you're coming in the pittsburgh laying points good luck traditionally that has not fared very well tennessee still battling some injuries most notably derrick henry we'll see if we get aj brown this week i'll take the steelers plus the one and a half then game number three i'm gonna lay the big number with buffalo minus ten and a half this is a get right game all right the last two weeks have not gone their way they had a shot last week against tampa and blew it the week before that on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, they got their teeth kicked in with Belichick and the Pats running the ball on all but three plays. The, the morale is down, but this is one of those get-right spots. You're going against a lousy opponent in Carolina who you can absolutely blow out. The Panthers started 3-0 and this season. They've gone 2-8 and since. They've got nothing on offense. 24th in scoring, 30th in yards per play. I think Buffalo gets right. So Patriots plus 2.5, Steelers plus 1.5, Bills minus 10.5. 
Go ahead, Jay. What you got? All right. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to hedge my bet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Cowboys, Evan, for uh, for five dollars to cover at uh, ten and a half over the Giants, just because Daniel Jones is not going to play, and I believe this can be a get right game for Dak Prescott, considering the way he came off last game. I'm going to take the Bucks. I'm gonna, they're going to cover minus eleven versus Saints. Even watching the Saints, I know they're going to be well prepared, but the Bucks at home. I think Tom Brady playing for the MVP. It's going to be a big one. I'm going to take the money line for the Colts. I think the Colts are going to win that one, uh, and then I'm going to ride five fifty. Uh, I'm sorry, five dollars for the money line for the Colts, and then five fifty with the Bills, uh, just like our boy Joe talked about there, a get right game for Bills and company. Um, okay, I like the Bengals to cover. Ooh. I'm going to put seven bucks on that one. I have to up it a little bit, a little pressure. bit right now because I'm a little pressure. bit behind. I got to up my bet from five to seven. I like uh, the Rams to cover against Seattle, uh, although. As I say, funky things happen in the NFC West. And I like, and I'll, and I'll put seven bucks on that, and I'll put 10 bucks on New England to win outright. So there you have it. Those are my three bets. And we're going to go through the biggest games of week 15. G Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. Joe Fortenbaugh with us on the Goodyear Hotline. Guys, let's go through the biggest games of week 15 in the NFL. Start with Thursday night football. I love this game. Too bad it's on a short week, but to me, if you in a dynasty league, these are the top two quarterbacks you take. By the way, in either order, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, three-point favorites at the Chargers. The over-under is 52 points, Joe. So we haven't seen any movement whatsoever on this point spread. Chiefs open three. There's still three. I think a lot of people are waiting to see whether or not they can get the hook with the Chargers plus three and a half or possibly jump in on the Chiefs at two and a half. Uh, Go back to when these two met back in week three in Kansas City. The Chiefs were laying six and a half points in that game. Six and a half points at home. Now they're still laying three on the road, and it's a short week on a Thursday night. That feels like a bit large to me, to be honest. I know the Chargers are a bit banged up, but I think this number should be inside of three, quite frankly. Uh, the the Chiefs' defense has been the toast of the town during the six-game winning streak. Look who they've beaten. 
right? The Giants, the Broncos, and Vegas twice. All, all three of those teams rank outside the top 18 in scoring. They beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They beat the Cowboys without Amari Cooper. And CeeDee Lamb got hurt in that game as well. He suffered a concussion. I don't know if I'm buying in just yet. If I'm going to make a play here, I would lean to the Chargers plus the field goal. You know, coming into this football game, I thought the Kansas City Chiefs clearly would take care of business against the Chargers. But then going back and looking at the week 13 or week three matchup against the Chargers where the Chargers came out on top, Chris Jones was a part of that. He will not be a part of this game in Los Angeles tonight. So with that, I think Justin Herbert, the big trees on the perimeter, Keenan Allen along with Williams, continue to dominate the secondary of the Kansas City Chiefs for that. I got to take the Chargers. All right, Joe, let's go up to the next game. It's crazy what this uh, spread once was for Cleveland. They were minus six, but now things have changed due to a COVID outbreak. You have Las Vegas, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Cleveland, over under 38.5. All right, so we've seen an eight-point move here. Browns from six-and-a-half to Raiders minus one-and-a-half. Like you said, Jay, the total as well has dropped from 50 to 38-and-a-half. I have to wonder if this is a bit of an overreaction. I understand what Cleveland's going through, and let's get this message out there too. You do not have to bet on every single football game. You can look at certain <laughs> games that have a lot of uncertainty like this, and you can say pass. There are plenty of options that are out there. But do we want to lay a point and a half with the Raiders on the road? This is their third road game in four weeks. They just played on the road at Kansas City last week. Now they're turning around to play on the road on a Saturday. So this is two games in seven days, both of which are on the road. The Raiders have been awful. They've lost five of six, during which time their scoring differential is minus 91. I don't think the drop-off from an injured Baker Mayfield to Case Keenum is all that much, but there are a lot of other components missing for the Browns as well. So I lean to the Browns because of the overreaction, but it might be a stay away. Yeah, I, I think it is a little bit of an overreaction for the Browns against the Raiders. But look, the Raiders hadn't played great football down the stretch. Cars continuing to put up numbers second in the league in passing yardage. Cleveland has Case Keenum and Chubb in the, in the backfield. They can still run the football. People Jones is well capable, more than capable of catching the football down the field along with Higgins. The defense is still there. I got to take Cleveland over the Raiders at this point. Okay, guys. I love this matchup too. New England at Indianapolis. I mean, you got one guy who seems to be steady under pressure. Like, Mac Jones seems to me to have the clutch gene, at least in college, against another guy with all the talent in the world, but maybe not quite built the same way in that respect. Uh, New England's minus two and a half. They're the favorites by two and a half points. The over-under is 45 and a half points, Joe. This game has done a lot of movement. On the look-ahead line, which came out last week, it was Patriots minus 2.5. Then on Sunday when it came back out, it was a pick and now it's Colts minus 2.5. So this thing's been moving quite a bit in favor of the Colts. They should have been the favorites in this game. It just depends on how high you want to go. Both teams are coming off the bye. Indianapolis, after that 1-4 and four start, has gone 6-3. and three. But look at the three losses. Big game against Tennessee. Big game against Baltimore. Big game against the Buccaneers. This is another big game against the Patriots. And I shudder to think how Carson Wentz is going to perform against the Bill Belichick defense. I know Wentz has gotten better throughout the course of the season. He's had a lot of solid performances. But against this defense and this defensive mind at head coach for the Patriots, I give the edge to Mac Jones in the matchup. I would take the two and a half with New England. I, too, give the edge to Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick, the one thing that he's going to do is going to take away your best weapon. And that best weapon for the Indianapolis Colts clearly is Jonathan Taylor running the football. But there's a secret weapon that you take away. J.C., 
You take care. J.C. Jackson, you take care of Michael Pittman. We put the football into uh, uh, to Wentz's hands. We will let him give it back to us for Mac Jones to continue to put points on the board. New England wins this game in a runaway. All right, guys, I said New England. It is the Colts, as Joe pointed out, who are favorites by two and a half points at home, which means the oddsmakers are saying on a neutral field, maybe they like New England a little better. It's not on a neutral field, Joe. All right, next game up, Washington football team at Philadelphia, seven-point Favor for Philly, 44 over under, Joe. So this one's seen a huge move as well. Philly was minus three. It's now up to minus seven. Washington's got 17 players on the COVID list. They're also battling a litany of injuries. Philadelphia coming off the bye here. Jalen Hurts, I don't think he's 100%. He's still battling a bit of an ankle injury, but we'll keep an eye on that throughout. Washington was exposed a little bit against Dallas. They had been playing really well since they came off the bye. One four straight, all in the underdog position, but then they went up against a good offense in the Cowboys who got on them early, even though they had a nice surge late. I don't know if I want to lay seven here with Philadelphia. This is one of those spots where I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait. The Eagles can run the ball. The Eagles can play some defense. They should be able to cause some problems, but it's a big number considering how they've played on offense. So let's figure out exactly how many guys are going to miss the game for Washington and reassess after that. I, I, you know, the thing with Washington football team right now, I think that we got all caught up with Tyler Heineke and we felt like he can get some things done. I think he can. I think he can bounce back because they're still in a little bit of a playoff hunt. They've got some things to address in the offseason. But in this one, I think I'm going to roll with Washington. Meantime, I love this. I love Cincinnati here. Cincinnati is at Denver, and Denver is two-and-a-half-point favorites. And I don't remember the over-under offhand. Yep, there it is. 44 is the over-under. Go ahead. All right, so Cincinnati last week on the look-ahead line was minus three. Then on Sunday when the numbers came back out, Denver was a small favorite at minus one. Now it's Denver minus two and a half. So we've seen a lot of Bronco money here for good reason. Denver's won four of six, during which time they have taken down some big fish. They beat the Cowboys and they beat the Chargers. And over the last three games, Javante Williams finally give the guy the football. I don't know what they were waiting for all season. They drafted him relatively high out of North Carolina. Let the kid make some plays. And that's what he's been doing for that offense. He's been dynamic in both the running and the passing game. You look at Cincinnati, they've got the winning record. They're certainly trending in the right direction long term. It's a franchise a lot of people want to get behind. Kind of like Buffalo last year, maybe a little bit like Cleveland last year. But they've lost four of six. And there's a difference between their record and the metrics. A lot of the metrics point to this team having massive struggles. Turnover differential, not good. Opponent yards per play, not good. Sacks allowed, not good. This is a hostile spot to go on the road against Denver, and they're not even laying a field goal. Lean a little bit to the Broncos. Lean a little bit, but you got to get behind a Denver offense that at times has been quite anemic. They have been quite anemic in a little bit. But this football game is played in Denver. Cincinnati has to travel to Denver. So I think when you look at this, the Broncos play a little bit better at home. Teddy Bridgewater's been okay. They have a chance to take the division away from the Baltimore Ravens in Cincinnati. They haven't been on fire nearly as well as they have at the early part of the stages of the season. With that being said, the Denver Broncos will win this game. All right, guys, we have to be quick on this one. We have about a minute and a half left. Green Bay – Five-and-a-half point favorite at Baltimore over under 43.5. Packers open minus seven on Sunday. It's down to five-and-a-half, so it's been a little bit of Baltimore money. The status of Lamar Jackson will obviously be very important here. The Ravens have lost three of five, and over the last five games, they're averaging just 16 points per game. Tough for me to get behind Baltimore right now, seeing that offense sputter week in and week out and knowing exactly what Green Bay has done week in and week out, which is annihilate the opposition. 
Green Bay needs to hold on to the number one seed in the conference. Baltimore is hobbling in, possibly with Lamar Jackson at the quarterback spot. We've seen Green Bay on fire. The Baltimore Ravens are completely decimated from the front end to the back end. Green Bay wins this game very easy in Baltimore. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Fortenbaugh, thank you very much. As always, we'll talk next week. Joe, good luck to you this week. Not really, though. You know what I mean? (laughs) Best of luck to you guys this weekend. I'll catch you next week. All right, brother. Oh, there's – I mean, to to me, tonight is one of those games. Legendary. Chargers and – you remember when uh, Kyler Murray beat the Rams early in the season? I thought going into that game, if he balls out and they beat the Rams, Kyler Murray is going to occupy a different place in our brains. I think Justin Herbert, if he can actually come away with a win against Patrick Mahomes on a nationally televised game, and we all know he's excellent, but we're going to think about him a little differently tomorrow morning if he can pull that off. Chiefs are favored for a reason because Mahomes is a bad dude. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.